Hello, hello everybody. Welcome back. It is good to hear that music. FUVFC is back. And guys, we have a full new crew here. I mean, we're obviously missing our old alumni. We'll mention them a little bit. I'll give them a shout out. Luke Fiore, Christian Hoban, Rich, Franco, we miss you all. But we have, I guess you could call it the next best thing. We got Andrew <laughs> Posadas and Alex Wolves here. Guys, how amazing does it feel to be on the greatest podcast at FUV? I mean, first of all, that introduction music, Alex, I don't know about you, but that might be there. That that's, that's number like, one. Yes. That that should be on one-on-one. That should be on Pick and Pod. <laughs> that should be the intro music for all podcasts. But definitely good to have a soccer podcast up and running. We needed it. There's so much going on. MLS is starting. Champions League, just so much to go into, Alex. Yeah, I've been saying for a while I think we need to get this back again. And, I mean, like you said, it seems like the perfect time with the MLS kicking off Champions League in full swing. And there's just a lot going on to talk about. It's it's been a long time coming. We're obviously missing our lead crew member in Jackson Heil. Obviously, I'm Evan Janikin. We were the two guys on it last year, and we'll be continuing it this year. I'm glad to have you guys back. So this is going to be a great podcast. Uh, we got a lot to get to. Obviously, Champions League coming back next week. You got a few pretty interesting matchups. Obviously, the Wednesday ones are a little bit more intriguing with Valencia and Atalanta pretty much being decided. I would say and Leipzig Tottenham. I mean, that was not the greatest first leg, but We'll live with it. The Tuesday games, you know, not as interesting, but PSG Dortmund and Liverpool Atletico is what we really want to talk about. Guys, I just want to get your initial thoughts on, obviously, the first leg didn't go Liverpool's way. We'll start with that game. Uh, Atletico kind of played a really defensive style in that game after they scored their first goal. They came out, and I think that's how you beat Liverpool. You come out aggressive and just really put it to them, and then all of a sudden you get a goal, and now, okay, we could sit back and play defensively. So I don't know. I don't think that they're going to start off that way next game. I think that they're going to try to be a little bit aggressive and try to nab that second goal. What do you guys think? I think for me, when you watch Liverpool play, it's always that quick attack mentality. The first few minutes they try to get to you, if you can withstand that, it becomes a much different game. And you look at the way Atletico played, like you said, with that defensive style, I think it's something that creates a bit of problems for Liverpool. And when you look at like the recent success here with Liverpool, you can actually call it now with two losses in the FA Cup, and the Premier League, you kind of wonder where their focus is at right now because I don't think they're going to want to lose another game in another big league. So you have to think that Liverpool is going to pretty much put everything they have here at Anfield. They're going to want to go back-to-back. So I imagine Liverpool is going to put in whatever they've got in order to come back here against Atletico. Yeah, and for Atletico now, it's all about can we play defense? Can we put 10, 10 guys back there and go 90 minutes without conceding a goal? Because at the end of the day, Liverpool now – when you're desperate now, you're going to have three forwards up there. When you're talking about uh, oh, uh, Mane, you're talking uh, Firmino, you got guys up there now that are going to have to be more aggressive. And for Atletico, it's just about can we hold Pat on defense and then perhaps go ahead and get a counter going and maybe get that one goal where you put yourself over the top. Because if you get that 2-0 aggregate, I mean, you're pretty much set. So, I mean, that's another thing, too. Can Liverpool avoid that counterattack that gives that extra goal for uh, Madrid? And and a lot of it fell on the shoulders of the defense last game. Obviously, you could shoulder the blame on guys like Lovren and, you know, uh, sorry, Virgil van Dijk. They obviously didn't play their best games. So, obviously, Liverpool, they're looking for those guys to kind of improve. And, I mean, you look at this team and you don't ever want to count them out, especially they're down one nothing last year. We saw what oh, happened yeah, last, last year. year. Yep. Exactly. So you could say it's easy once you have a lead against Liverpool, but really this is such a dangerous team. And even in that first leg, I mean, they they were creating chances. They mm-hmm. just weren't finishing. And 
if they keep creating those chances, it's going to be, I mean, I think personally it's going to be impossible for Atletico to hold on to that lead because for me, you have to come out and be aggressive. You have to, for, for me, obviously, get another goal. You, you need that second goal as insurance because if not, Liverpool is going to be down your throats all yeah. game, and they're so talented that they're not going to squander opportunities. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Saul was able to get that first goal in the first leg, Alex, but, I mean, yeah, who is it going to come from? Can Costa give you that one? Can he give you some good minutes on the offensive side? Can Correa or Lamar, can they come in and make an impact against Liverpool who just have they just have world-class strikers mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. the place. I think top to bottom we we know Liverpool's the stronger team here but it's really going to come down to I think a lot of the strategy we see Atletico play because you have to wonder if they sit back and play defense Liverpool's going to score goals. I think we know that, we know what they're capable of and Atletico has to keep that in mind understanding the environment that they're going to be in, understanding who they're going to be playing against. I think we're going to have to see a kind of different style like you mentioned, Evan. Atletico is going to play if they want to get that extra goal and really seal this one away. Yeah, and again, I think Klopp was kind of almost outmanaged. And again, you you attribute it to that first goal. Diego Simeone is just so good at once he gets that first goal, he knows exactly what he wants to do and he knows Mm -hmm. exactly what he needs to do. Granted, they did get a a little bit lucky with a few chances. I remember (laughs) quite a few chances that Liverpool almost stuck it to them. So if Diego Simeone can just come out with like a solid game plan, I think you know play your style just keep going that way and good things will happen but again you need to get that second goal and I I think that you're kind of screwing yourselves if you don't do that I think we're going to ask a lot to keep Liverpool scoreless at home I think we've seen how good they are there it's one of the toughest places to play I think in professional soccer so like you said Atletico is really going to have to come out with that aggressive mindset and really get that extra goal yeah and again it's not been too sound defensively recent from recently from Liverpool I mean obviously I'll discount the FA Cup a little bit but <laughs> you go back to the past couple games I mean Liverpool allowed three goals to Watford yeah. to Watford and they did the same with West Ham they allowed two goals by the way shout out West Ham that's my guys but <laughs> two, two goals to West Ham I mean that's that's bad and frankly that's bad and Getting outscored that way, you're just, I, I mean, if I'll count the last few games, it's four, five, seven to two. If you include the Chelsea game, nine to two. Mm-hmm. You can't be allowing goals like that. And again, I don't, I think that Trent Alexander Arnold hasn't been good. Lovren, obviously, you can place the blame on him. It just needs to be a lot more sound defensively. Yeah, I mean, and again, Liverpool, they are the defending Champions League champions. So they have that experience. They have that that veteran leadership and for Atletico this is a team that's been knocking on the door the past few Champions Leagues obviously they've lost to the likes of Barcelona to Real Madrid they've kind of played little brother for so long that now even though they keep continuing to sell guys like obviously when they let uh, Griezmann go they're just still able to find those young up-and-coming players in Spain and just really build that team and continue to be contenders in Spain and here in the Champions League so again it's really two strong narratives. Does Liverpool, do they continue? Do they come back? Do they show that championship pedigree and get themselves one step closer to perhaps repeating? Or for Atletico, is this the year that they finally break through and get themselves their first Champions League title? You know, I think when I was watching Atletico in the group stages, I thought this was going to be a team that was going to compete. And I think Liverpool honestly struck a bad draw here. This is, to me, one of the harder matchups they honestly could have gotten when we're talking about the contrasting styles. And we're just talking about, like you said, Atletico really wants to, I think, take that next step. And you also consider the success Liverpool has had in the Premier League. We kind of think fatigue is going to come into question here. And is that focus on the Champions League? Now we're starting to see them falter a bit in other areas. Yeah. They were kind of 
I'm not I'm not going to say stumbling, but they were struggling coming into this game, and now it's bad timing. Yeah, and it, and it happens inevitably with every team. I mean, you look at Liverpool this year, you're like, okay, this could be the one team that's going to do it. They're going to yeah. go undefeated. If you just watch them game in, game out, it's like the Patriots. You're like, okay, yep. they're never going to lose. Yep. And then in the Premier League, they have two, I mean, one very close game again with West Ham, and then falter completely to Watford. It's just the bottom of the table almost Watford. The, so. exact, and the bottom of the table almost West Ham. Yeah. So so you can't take these periods of time for granted and I think we're I personally do think that we're going to see Liverpool get back to that form that they are at I do too, because yeah. I Klopp is somebody that's not going to allow that consistent, you know, level of poor play. I think I I think that honestly they're going to get back on track and get goals but it's going to be a really really good matchup. I mean, you don't see this with sports like football or basketball where teams are in different tournaments so their mentality changes. You can go against Watford or one of those bottom teams in the Premier League and kind of let up a bit because you're not completely where especially Liverpool they they have the Premier League pretty much sewn up at this point uh, unless something were to happen but uh, other than that it, it's crazy how they can maybe take a step back and say, all right, we're going to take it easy against these lower level teams in the Premier League, but then have to come back to champions and be like, all right, now we have to be at that ultra uber focused 100% because we want to defend our championship here. And it's just interesting. You don't see that in any other sports where you have to have different mentalities and it, it can be a roller coaster as far as your focus from one league to another. And you also talk about Liverpool. They're probably one of the busiest clubs in the world considering all the success they've had. And you look at somebody like Atletico, they can really shift their focus to the Champions League. So as opposed to Liverpool was going through a lot of different rosters, they're playing a lot of different players, dealing with injuries here and there. I just saw Becker's not going to be available in that game. So we have a lot to consider here with Liverpool in terms of just fatigue and in terms of focus. And Atletico, I think, can go all in on the Champions League. Now you talk about shifting focus. Another team that's had to do that a lot is PSG. Obviously, they play in the most competitive league in the world, League <laughs> on. I, I guess we could all agree with that. Uh, they're 10 points up on Marseille there. That's usually not much of a contest, but... PSG came into last game against Dortmund, which I think, by the way, Dortmund is a fantastic side. You mentioned Atletico Madrid, guys attracting young talent and being able to use that before they kind of profit from it. Dortmund has been the prime example of that over the past few years, and it's really not changed much this year. I mean, they're such a fantastic club, and I love some of the young guys. I mean, you can't say enough... There's honestly no words to even describe Haaland anymore. Yeah, I mean, and, what what a pickup, though. Ten goals and <laughs> seven Champions League appearances? That's ridiculous. He's just on on a torrid pace right now. And we have to consider how young he is, too. He's one of the youngest guys playing out there, and he's probably the best player on the field in every game he's played for Dortmund. And I thought when he went to Dortmund, they became an immediate contender because you look at him and Sancho up top, I think that's an incredibly difficult pairing to deal with. And PSG, we always make, I think, jokes every year about them in the Champions <laughs> League. And it seems like it's coming true again this year against Dortmund. Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting second leg. Obviously, they kind of nabbed it. I thought they kind of just nabbed a goal uh, you know, in the middle of that game. I think it was Neymar that ended up scoring, I believe, correct? So he kind of scored that little tap in, and then yes. right after that was, this is a while ago, I'm jogging my memory, but Haaland pretty much came right off the kickoff. <laughs> I think the score graphic was still up by the time, yeah, the two, updated two score later, graphic, yeah. and then uh, right, Gio Reyna gives him that perfect little slip pass, and Haaland probably with one of the better finishes I've seen. I mean, he hit the roof of the net, and this guy... He's like you said, he's one of the younger players in the field, and it just doesn't look like it. He's dominating the play against PSG, who's a world world class. World you class. Say, team. Yeah, I think we could say that. No, I mean, I'm with you, and you're right. Dortmund and Atletico are really just mirror images of each other, just 
two teams who understand how to build their young talent. And then, as you mentioned, Evan, being able to sell them or loan them off and getting money in return to continue investing in more young talent. And for PSG, I think they're in the same predicament as Liverpool now. You have that dynamic offense. You have Neymar. You have Mbappe. You have Di Maria. You you have all of that talent there. Now we'll see what they can do when they're tasked with the deficit. Yeah. And for PSG, they're one of those teams that are kind of knocking at the door too. They want oh. to get to a final and, and win one themselves. And you can imagine Mbappe and Neymar, the pressure that they have as two of the highest paid footballers in the world. Now you have to come in and really get the crown jewel, which besides the World Cup is the Champions League. So that's what it's all about for them. And for PSG, the temperature is now rising for them yeah. to finally yeah. come through and make good on the investments that they have on Neymar and Mbappe. And you talk about Mbappe. Obviously, he was a little bit quiet that first leg. I think we can all agree on that. But over the past two games, obviously, it is league on, uh, like we mentioned. But he has five goals in two matches. Mm. If I'm Dortmund, I am terrified right now because <laughs> Mbappe is just starting to get back in his role at the exact perfect time that PSG wants him to. And, you know, down 2-1, you know that they're going to play a really aggressive style in the beginning. And, man, like, if you can't – if yeah. Mbappe and Neymar and that whole front is on – you're, there's no chance that you're holding on to that lead. And they have, I think it's going to be, honestly, I think that that's the game of the week, PSG and Dortmund. I think it's going to be so, so interesting. And if you're Dortmund, you got to be hoping that Holland gives you one or gives you two more <laughs> moments, either that or maybe Reyna gives you some stuff off of off the bench. But you got to be hoping that Holland can stay Superman for them. Because if not, I mean, PSG, just like Liverpool, they can be a team once they turn it on and flip the switch, yeah. they can put three goals on the board in 20 minutes and really just take full control so for Dortmund it'll be a challenge do they play defensive for the entire 90 minutes or do they go out for some counters and and try and get that five or ten minute spurt where they're all in offensively because we know what the talent is I think for PSG we've never just really seen it come together and I think this is kind of that perfect time with their backs against the wall where we need to see that because yeah. you know Neymar and Mbappe they're probably thinking when they see Holland they're probably getting a little envious here. And you have to think that they're going to want to change that mindset. They're going to want to prove something to the rest of the world, who I think has a lot of doubts right now. And this is, a, I think, the ideal time to do it when you're coming home in a huge Champions League game against a team everybody is talking about. This is, to me, where PSG really needs to show up if they want to be one of the best in the world. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Dortmund, I think, if anything, they need to play a really, really disciplined style because yes. you don't want to give PSG a sniff of a chance. I think that yeah. it's going to come down to playing a really, really disciplined defensive style and just not even allowing PSG to get back in the game. But that's way, way easier said than done, yeah. especially when Mbappe and Neymar, these top talents, are just getting right back into their groove. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the Tuesday game too, obviously. Tuesday games, I should say, Atalanta and Valencia, I know. Alex, you had a couple things you wanted to yes. say about Atalanta. Go ahead. I think Atalanta is by far one of the best stories I've seen in the Champions League in a long time. And I think we always question how can they sustain this. You know, we thought they were a hero story just getting out of the group stage. Now we see them first match against Valencia, who's a quality team. I, I mean, I don't want to discredit Valencia. And mm -hmm. Atalanta puts up four goals. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And we know it's a home game. Maybe we can say, oh, Valencia just wasn't 100%. But Atalanta, I think it might be a real deal here. I know that it's jumping to a lot of conclusions here, but Serie A is a talented league. And I think Atalanta's proven that not only can they compete with some of the better teams, but they can win games. So I do think that they're going to hold on. Uh, on the road, and I also think that they might even might even win the game too. I think it could be another Ajax story. I do think it could be an Ajax story, and we saw. I think Ajax was great, and I think this is just great for the Champions League. No, I agree with you, Alex. I think Serie A is definitely much better than people give it credit for, sure. and and now for Valencia, and I I would say for the for uh, La Liga, 
the Spanish teams aren't as strong to me yeah, anyway. Obviously, that's true. Uh, Valencia is not one of the best. Real Madrid, even though they just overtook Barcelona in the standings in La Liga, I- I'm scared for Madrid as a fan. I-, I don't know. They just don't look too good. And Barcelona, they're just they can be the hottest or coldest team, look really good, and then look really old at times. So I think there's something to be said about the Italian league and Serie A finally starting to merge. And, I mean, this is without teams like AC Milan and Inter Milan being contenders. The historically good teams. Yeah, the historically good teams. You still have uh, Juve out there, Lazio, Napoli. But, no, it's an incredible story. And depending on if they can get through Valencia – when you talk about the draw for the next round, if they get a favorable draw, you may be right. This could be an Atalanta team that finds itself yeah. in the final four in the semifinals of the Champions League. Yeah, so obviously not too much to touch on there. They're up 4-1, so I think that – I mean, we've seen crazier things in we the have, Champions yeah, League, but, but we can pretty much call that game you know, as it is. It's 4-1. So. We'll see. It'll take pretty much a miracle at that point. So I want to get a little more into the Tottenham and Leipzig game. Obviously, the first leg was a little bit of a snooze fest, if you, if I'm being quite <laughs> honest. Uh, I was watching in the airport, and Tottenham, you know, classic, just frustrating Tottenham. I can't even imagine being a fan. I, you know, I miss Christian Hoban. He was a big Tottenham fan. He used to be on this show. So, you know, sorry <laughs> to that guy, but, you know, <laughs> RB Leipzig and Tottenham, second leg coming this Tuesday. What do you guys think? Looking at Leipzig, I'm just going to say, I mean, watching them in the group stages, I thought they were, one again, one of the top teams to me. Timo Werner's on another level to me, I think, with some of the best strikers that we have out there. And I don't see Tottenham really with much of a chance in this game at all. I think Leipzig has that one goal on the away side. Now they're coming home. I don't really see much of an opportunity for Tottenham with the controversies we've seen with them and just the instability. I really think this is all Leipzig. Uh, I mean, Alex, you're right. This Leipzig team... They're right in the Bundesliga. They're second. They're right in between (laughs) Bayern and Dortmund, and they've been one of the more pleasant surprises too. And now for Tottenham, I mean, what a fall from grace. This is a team that was making its way to the final last year and now 90 minutes away from getting knocked out. And that offense, uh, as good as we've seen it at times, it just doesn't seem like they were able to do much, really couldn't get into rhythm. And now Leipzig, they're a team that has shown that they want to be in this low-scoring, defensive-minded style of game. They have no problem doing that. So uh, unless Tottenham can find a way to start opening up their offense and, and getting something from the outside in, getting some crosses in, playing sideline to sideline, uh, it really feels like Leipzig is is set for another just hunker down, let's play 90 minutes, and we're not going to let you score. We're going to have everybody on our side. So, uh, again, another team that is really surprising us here on the, on the world stage and another team that has a chance can – depending on the draws, to, to make it to the semifinals and perhaps even further. I would yeah. say, yeah, yeah, no, you go. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, it was a tough penalty, obviously. Uh, Tottenham gave up, so I, I believe it was Davies on that, again, trying to jog my memory a little bit. But I remember mostly it was a battle of the goalies there. Uh, mm-hmm. Lori and Gulaski, I believe, on Leipzig, they both had incredible games. So, to, you know, for Tottenham to get back into this, it's going to be tough. I mean, the front three just was not very good, if we're being frank again not creating enough chances and Leipzig like you guys said I mean they're near the top of the table I think I, they might still be first they've been fir- they were first for a while there and that's just a quality team and again we keep talking about these young teams coming into fruition Leipzig is just another example and I think with Leipzig too this is honestly to me the year that they really need to I think make a run because there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be contested in the transfer portal coming up yeah so I think Leipzig is going to be one of the hottest teams we're going to see a lot of movement so I think if they really want to keep their current roster and make a run, I think this is the time to do it. 
And, and if you're a Tottenham fan, maybe you're not as panicked as we're making it out to seem because, I mean, they've, lo- they've lost their last two home knockout matches in the Champions League, one nothing. And uh, obviously last year they were able to beat Ajax on away goals. So this is a team that has been in deficits and been in this sort of situation before, especially last season So and last year in the Champions League. So, again, anything can happen. I mean, especially the way aggregates are. If it's yeah. just 1-0, one, one you never know. Two or three goals can come at you in a 10-, 15-minute period, and then we're talking, all right, now you're up 2-3 to three on the aggregate. So it, it can be unpredictable, and that's, I think, the best thing about having – the leg format having the first and second leg is just the drama that can come within the second 90 minutes. Yeah, it was just a weird game, man. Like it seemed like the after that goal, after the penalty, the life was just sucked out of Tottenham completely. Yeah. I mean, in the second half, their only real real chances came from set pieces and yeah. you that you can't sustain that. And you know, to, especially to get back in a game against a hungry, really energetic team like Leipzig, you got you got to get more into it and they they just weren't showing that level of energy, but obviously another Weird thing for Tottenham in the past couple years, uh, past couple days, I should say. Uh, Eric Dyer hopping into the stands, al- almost harassing a fan way up in the stands, and we don't know exactly all of the details. It's another weird story, but it's just another one of those things where it's become a common theme. The fan and player relationships have just been really strange this year. I mean, obviously, you've had a lot of more serious cases of racism by fans and you know players just walk, walking off the pitch which I think is all great but this dire situation is just weird man I mean the fact of the matter is just racism exists outside Absolutely. in the soccer world we don't see it much here in the MLS I don't believe we've ever had any sort of instances to this nature but it just seems time and time again that we keep seeing it in Italy we keep seeing it yeah. in England yeah. Yeah. a lot and it's just it's disappointing because a lot of these guys being targeted are players of color and uh, I think we know some more famous interactions Mario Balotelli getting into it with Mm -hmm. some fans multiple occasions when he was playing with Milan but I mean this is something that continues to rear its ugly head and at some point UEFA has to do something whether it be getting these fans and banning them for life because at this point if that's what you're going to do I mean nobody can say that you know you aren't allowed to boo or voice your displeasure but when you're taking it to that level where you're using racial slurs or any sort of profanity towards somebody else and towards their nationality i mean you're, you're crossing the line there alex and, and it just really feels like something needs to be done to address it and make sure that this stops because we continually see this frequently like you said it's the continual nature of it that i think is a bit concerning this is nowhere near the first time we've heard about this obviously i've never really seen something to this extent where a player physically goes into the stands but you know <laughs> i heard that dyer's brother was involved in this situation he was kind of the one who inspired yeah. dyer to get involved and i think when you're not just talking about now families are getting involved and whether it's based on race or performance or just just genuine like disrespect to these players I think we need to start I mean I understand what Dyer did is obviously questionable but we need to start putting a question on the fans and the way their behavior is because eventually you're going to reach a boiling point in these situations and I think like uh, I agree with you Andrew in that I think it comes down to the club level and that they I mean whether it's UEFA or whatever you're saying like if it's the club I mean, you look at even internally, like NYCFC, they've had a problem with the, I don't know if you guys heard of the, they've had fascist groups that have yeah, been, yeah, 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 one of their support groups is run by pretty much like guys who are outwardly fascist and they have yet to condemn that kind of racism, yeah. whether it's, you know, vocal or not, they're not saying anything at the games, which is why I think NYCFC has not said anything, but it comes down to the more deep rooted thing mm-hmm. where if you're not tackling this from where it comes from, these things are going to keep happening and it's just never going to stop. So 
obviously the whole coronavirus thing now i'm getting on a little bit of a tangent is a little bit is obviously unfortunate in italy but now you have fans that just aren't going to be at events till april that's true from what i understand that's true and i mean sooner or later somebody's going to go in the stands and just start an all-out brawl i mean that's what we see one some one of these players is going to just have enough of it and and is just going to go in there and who knows it could be a high profile soccer player but again that's what we're getting to. That's what it's coming to where almost a malice at the palace mm. style in soccer. We saw that in the NBA between the Pistons and the Pacers. And it feels like we're going to see something like that in soccer. And that can be even more dangerous because a soccer stadium is much bigger. There's so many more fans than there yeah. would be in a basketball venue. So imagine a malice at the palace at a stadium in England or in Italy. It, it could be utter chaos. And it feels like that's what it's going to take for us to really just nip this in the butt and get fans like this out of the game and you really think this is something that we want to get resolved before something like that does happen because we've seen so many instances now without any response without any action and like you said eventually something is going to happen and then all of a sudden we're going to start pointing fingers and it's going to lead to a a gigantic controversy if UEFA is not able to clean this up yeah so obviously another ugly mess with the whole Eric Dyer situation we'll probably hopefully be able to touch on that a little bit more in later episodes but we're getting towards the end here so I wanted to talk to you guys about NYCFC Obviously, the first uh, first couple legs of their uh, Champions League debut went pretty well for them. Uh, obviously, new coach Ronnie Dyla was able to implement his system. Uh, they, pl- I thought that they played a really you know solid style against AD San Carlos, and they were able to win that six three on aggregate. And I was able to go to the second leg, so good stuff there. But then you come into the MLS season, one nothing loss to the club. I th- to uh, sorry to the crew. And I, I don't think that you could read too much into this. They have their next uh, Champions League game next week. They're playing uh, Toronto this weekend. So, guys, I want to know, do you think that they're going to maybe sit some starters and really prepare for Tigres against Toronto tomorrow? Or do you think, you, you know, you kind of roll with what you got? I mean, I would say the the way that game, the first four minutes, you get a red card there. And it's just the next 87 minutes were really just a blur. I mean, that that isn't the team that, that we're expected no. to see at all. And I would think that they go all in and play their starting lineup 100%. Obviously, uh, they'll be without the services of, yeah, yeah, for a game. But still, you, you have to kind of see what you have out there when you when you have your starting 11 or yeah. just an 11 in place. So I just don't think the way that first game ended and the way it just played out, it just really feels like they want to get on the right side of things going into that matchup with Tigres, I think it's imperative that they have a good showing against Toronto to keep that momentum going. And the red was obviously really unfortunate. I mean, you talk about the opening minutes of the game. Cheneau, you know, you could say he barely clipped the guy, but in reality, in slow motion, it doesn't look as bad as it is. He he caught the guy in his leg. And if you're you're going to trip a guy, you know, last man on defense, you're going to get that red every single time. So obviously frustration in the beginning, but you could understand that call. And it just really affected the whole complexity of the game and NYCFC I thought kind of hung in there for a while but you knew that that goal was coming from Columbus and it did I believe in the uh towards the end of the first half maybe the beginning of the second half but either way moving on to uh Toronto and I think they're probably gonna end up playing pretty much a very similar style what I like about Dyla is that he's really been set on keeping the NYCFC style you know so they played the same way under Vieira they played pretty similarly under Dome Toronto he had some hiccups in the beginning, but it was ultimately able to say, hey, I want wingers up front and I want a very controlled build up from the back. And I like that Dyla has come in and said, OK, 
instead of change scrapping everything up and changing it once again, which the last thing NYCFC needs is turnover yeah. is more turnover. He said, no, we're going to stick to it. I think a club needs a style. Yeah. And I would, I, I love that he's building that kind of culture. And I think that this will ultimately give them a chance against Tigris. I think when you look at the roster just for NYCFC, it really hasn't changed at all. Outside of Ben Sweat no, heading over to Miami, much. top to bottom, they look the same. And I think, like you said, systematically, NYCFC has been a very stable team, I think, in the way they've played. And I wouldn't really expect anything less this season. The crew game, like you said, I think it's a bit of a tough ask to play 90 minutes on a red card and win the game. That's not an easy accomplishment. So I'm not going to look too deep into that, but I do think this Toronto game, I expect NYCFC to go out and play, considering this is the team that they fell to last year when we're talking about the MLS Cup. I think they're going to want to prove something here. And I also think... Yeah, yeah, you go, Andrew. No, no, no. Uh, go finish your thought, Alex. No, I was go just going to say, I also think that when we're talking about where their focus is going to be, we've seen with the Sounders, for example, who MLS Cup champions, they saw an early exit in CONCACAF Champions League. So you have to yeah. say now, can NYCFC really focus on both? When Toronto yeah. FC is going to be a tough it's game, tough. Tigris is going to be a tough game, tough. can they really win both is, I think, a lot to ask. No, and I would say, Dahlia, I mean, you talk about the squad he inherited. I mean, this is a team that finished first in the East yeah. last season in the MLS and then eliminated in the semifinals against Toronto. So this is a team that's expected now to not only finish in the top tier of the Eastern Conference, if not finish first again, this is a team that needs to now get past the semifinal. Now can you get to an MLS Cup final and bring one back to the East Coast? So there's a lot of pressure there. So I I would imagine that that he will have his team ready to go and have a plan in place, maybe strategize and use some things that they would use against Tigres against Toronto. So, uh, again, Toronto's a, a very formidable side, so I don't think they can take that game off in hopes mm-hmm. to rest for that Tigres game. I think if you're a team that is up there and you're a contender, you want to get both of those games and make two statements you know, in, in a short span of time. Right, and the red card on Chano is obviously twofold. He's going to miss this game against Toronto, but That's that true. means a little extra rest for uh, Tigris. for Tigres on Wednesday. So they obviously added Nicolas uh, Acevedo, which I thought was a really nice signing by mm-hmm. them. Apparently, uh, I mean, he's a young kid. He's 20 years old. Jeez, I'm calling him a kid. I'm already <laughs> older than him. That's tough to see. Uh, so Nicolas Acevedo is a Uruguayan international, another nice player. I think it's a good pickup for NYCFC. Apparently, he had played against Holland, uh, Erling Braun Holland, a mm-hmm. while ago, and he uh, Erling Braun Holland's coach said that he was the only player that had ever stopped or hold, held him to not pretty much do anything in the game. So that's very high praise. Apparently, Nicolas Acevedo was a really uh, sought-after piece in the transfer market. So that's a nice pickup by NYCFC. I'll be interested to see if Dilo may be – yeah, that's a mouthful, huh? <laughs> able to implement him against Toronto. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of uh, ifs and uh, buts, but – uh, NYCFC ultimately, I think, have a really good shot against Tigris. I know, uh, Andrew, you're a little more familiar with Tigris's style. What can we expect? Well, I mean, for Tigris, I mean, this is a team that loves to get up and down. They want to play a quick pace and really put goals on the board. I mean, they're not a team, and these Mexican teams, that's really what they do. I mean, traditionally, maybe 10 to 15 years ago, they were more much defensive-minded. But just like every other league, it seems like offense is ruled. So right. when you think about the teams left, Tigres, America's left, Cruz Azul is left. Those are three teams that can definitely score. They can put goals up. And now all three of those teams are facing MLS squads. And I think that's the best time when we get into the CONCACAF Champions League, once we get the U.S.-Mexican sides facing each other. And I think for NYCFC, they have the talent. And this could be something where they could dominate both legs with that talent just because the MLS is getting so much stronger in that department. But again, if they want to play this up and down pace, if they want to play quick against Tigres, 
both legs will come down to the wire. And I think NYCFC would probably it behoove them to really yeah. just take it upon themselves to play their style, be a little bit more methodical and really use their superior talent against Tigres. Yeah. Now, a real we've seen in the past with NYCFC, a really good press is a really good way to halt them because, again, mm. they love to play that controlled buildup. And I think it's such a wonderful style. But will Dyla be able to, you know, implement a style that is not playing into Tigres's advantage? I think that. If that press gets to NYCFC, they might be done off the bat. So they got to play a really controlled buildup and be able to execute their style appropriately. Yeah, because like like Andrew said, we know Tigers is going to put a lot of pressure here. So NYCFC, I mean, I've watched them play a bunch, and like you said, it is a lot of buildup from the back. So I think they're going to have to really play a patient game under pressure, which is a difficult ask because MLS pace of play is starting to pick up as well. So I don't think it's something NYCFC is unfamiliar with necessarily. I do think they'll be able to handle it, and as long as we... You know, they put their focus on this game. I'm really not too concerned about the, necessarily their ability to play under pressure. Yeah, and again, it's good having Chano on a little bit of extra rest. Yeah. I think that's going to definitely benefit them for that game. So it's going to be a really, really interesting matchups. But before uh, we get out of here, I want to get you guys' Champions League, UEFA Champions League predictions for each team, and then we'll go into predictions for NYCFC this coming week. I think for me, if we're talking about just this week with the Champions League, like I said, I'm I'm really I'm very high on Leipzig. I'm not going to go as far and say Atlanta is going to go far, but I do also think Bayern is a really interesting team to watch in this because they dismantled Chelsea like it was nothing. Right. And I mean, watching them, they've got I think a lot of talent, and when they put their focus in the right places, because we know Bayern historically has always been a bit inconsistent in certain tournaments. If they focus on the Champions League, I think they are very tough out as well. Right. We'll focus on this week. So for me, I've got. Leipzig finishing off Tottenham for me. I think I think Atalanta is going to finish the job, and you know what? I think I think Dortmund's got to be careful. So I lo- I mean Dortmund's probably my second favorite team. I I love them, but I could see PSG coming back and winning this game. So I'm going to go with PSG in the second mm. leg, and then yeah, I am, okay. and I think Liverpool probably comes back as well. I think we're going to have a really good slate on Wednesday. Well, I mean, I, I'm not too high on La Liga right now, so I think Atalanta will finish Valencia off. And for Leipzig, I think they do just enough. Maybe Tottenham has a few chances, but but I think for them, I think the roller coaster ride has come down yeah. to the end, and and they'll be eliminated. And then going into Wednesday, listen, Atletico Atletico yeah. Madrid is like little brother, and every time I think, or my dad loves Atletico Madrid just because they have that underdog. But every time they get to that chance where they can really make a statement they end up falling flat on their face so you know what I'm going to go with Liverpool to come back I I think that their offense just gets it together they're at home Uh, I think they'll score enough goals to win that and then I have to think PSG does the same I think there's two teams in Liverpool and PSG two teams that need to win they want to go far and they're expected to go far and they could be two teams that we could easily see in the Mm -hmm. final so I think both of them will really rise to the occasion but again if Atletico Madrid or Dortmund win I wouldn't be shocked but I just think that it's time for the better teams to really yeah. rise up to the cream of the crop. I'm with Liverpool on that. I, I think I've I've counted out Liverpool too many times. I don't see it happening <laughs> don't again. Don't do it. <laughs> I do think PSG Dortmund. I really I can't. It's hard to pick a winner there because I think Dortmund. We've seen the way they've been playing is a lot to, is is a lot to handle for PSG. But you also have to think this is a game PSG can't lose. Honestly, yeah. to me, this is a must-win situation for them 100%. in terms of their reputation. So something. I do think it is hard to bet against PSG and, and their motivation here. Yep, and uh, what do you got for uh, Leipzig and Valencia games? Oh, for Alex. me, uh, Leipzig, no question. And like I said, I think Atalanta's going to hold on, and I think they're going to make a run. All right, cool, and we'll get into the last part. I, we're going to go for a full-score prediction for NYCFC in the first leg. So we'll just focus on the first leg for now, 
at Red Bull Arena on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Hopefully me and Andrew will be there. <laughs> I'm going to go with a 2-2. Wow, okay. Yeah, I think both teams are going to come out. Again, I think that Tigress is probably going to nab a goal early for me. I think that uh, it's going to be about NYCFC being able to stay disciplined and play their style. Uh, and I just think that they're going to be able to do that. I, I mean, we'll see. But you know what? I'll, I'm going to stick with my 2-2 answer, yeah. Well, I mean, the first leg is at Red Bull Arena. I, I think the Tigres fans are going to travel well. Oh, yeah. They will so. travel. Oh, oh, there's yeah. a huge Mexican population here in, in New York and around the mid-Atlantic area. So I think their fans will travel well. My dad might even be there. I'm not sure. <laughs> there you go. If I'm there, too, he might show up. But uh, but I think NYCFC does just enough, and I think they lead after leg one, two to one. And from there, Tigres has a chance going back to Mexico to perhaps win the leg, uh, win leg two and win the uh, the contest. But no, I, I'm going to have to go with NYCFC probably taking a 2-1 lead going into leg two. And you mentioned fans coming back too. NYCFC obviously didn't have much support in their AD San Carlos game. Yeah. It was 5-3. to three. It was already 5-3, to three, so I think a lot of fans expected a win. And obviously we're kind of protesting the Red Bull Arena thing, which I think I is kind of, you yeah. know, that's fairly warranted. But I think all of the support groups are back on and they say that they're going to the next leg because obviously this is a huge one against Tigress. So I think it should be a really good showing in terms of fans, Alex. Yeah, that was my point. So I was going to bring it. Red Bull Arena, just the venue choice, I think you have to wonder really is how well is NYCFC going to play considering I don't, I, at the end of the day, I think NYCFC is going to put all of that aside and really focus on the game here. And I'm with you guys. I do think we're going to see a pretty evenly balanced game. I do think NYCFC will grab the first leg. I'm going to go with a high score 3-2. I do think NYCFC is going to understand that they're going to need to score against Tigris, so I'm expecting them to come out and really secure the first leg. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Glad to have FUVFC back, and I'm glad that you guys are aboard. So we'll be back hopefully next week, uh, God willing. Jackson will be back as well, so we'll be able to get a little bit more into Manchester United struggles and uh, obviously a recap of this coming week's game. So be sure to stay tuned. This has been FUVFC.